0: Okay, good morning and welcome to another weekend edition of Cake and Kombucha. It's summertime, don't judge me, we're doing what we're doing, okay? I used to listen to my favorite podcast, which was Dear Sugars, of of others, among others, and they used to take a break for the whole summer, okay? And y'all love them, so don't come for me. Don't come for me unless I send for you. Thank you. Anyway, I'm your host, Kelechi Azier. I'm an actress, writer, singer, based in New York City, from Buffalo, New York. And on Cake and Kombucha every week, I come on here to share with you a little bit of the cake, which is like the pop culture nonsense that's going on, funny observations, reality TV, perhaps anecdotes about the wacky things that happen to me way too often. Got one of those for you today. And then the kombucha is kind of like the more medicinal... Not that we, like, rebuke vaccinations or, you know, traditional medicine. We do both here at Cake and Kombucha. But I love kombucha, and it's soothing for my tummy, and it keeps me regular. I said it. So that's what the kombucha here is, is, is for, for you. It's, it's going to keep you regular and also, like, inform you about current events and the like. So without further ado, let's get into what's been going on, shall we? Let's get into ASAP Rocky now. I don't want to be uncharitable, but I may not have the funds to do otherwise. But um, that was probably not funny. I'm sorry about that. Um, to let you know just how much I care about ASAP Rocky, I was looking up information for this story, and then I got sidetracked by realizing that Ty Dolla Sign is hot. I never looked at him before. Well, okay, let me just say that he should wear a hat because his dreads, I don't know about the hairline on his dreads, but his dreads are super cute. They look, yeah, I'm literally, I'm still talking about Ty Dolla Sign. He's got a like Bailage blonde dreads in the front. He looks very alternative, like this new free black boy. I might wear a skirt if you catch me out in these streets. I didn't know that, I'm going to say it. He always sounded fat to me. Like, I imagined a big pun, Rick Ross-ish, not that big, but I just imagined, I didn't imagine this. So I'm just on an internet thread. Let's see. His whole chest is covered in tattoos that are not attractive or well executed. However, you know, he looks like he hits the gym sometimes. He's a pleasant, yeah, he's got like, it's, it's very interesting what's going on with Rap aesthetically with, like, the rock star vibe thing that was going on. Um, Okay, I'm confused. This all is a farce. This is all a farce. He was dating, like, an electronica, like, pop singer, white girl from Fifth Harmony for two years. That's not what you sing about in your songs. That's not you. Okay, I'm. This, people are just making up personas. I think that's what's going on. People are making up personas and getting packaged. The, they If I Google any further, I'm sure I'd find out that he's just like a songwriter for a bunch of people before he came out. And then they're like, you want to do your own thing. Pick a persona. You're black. So sing about like bitches and babies, daddies and child support and go into the mall to buy them shoes and bitch stay on your campaign. You don't you don't talk to this woman like Bitch Day on your campaign. ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky has neither shame nor a sense of irony. Um, or perhaps we could blame some of that on his family. So, the details of why he was arrested in Sweden was murky. But rapper ASAP Rocky, very popular, not super into it. I like more of his cameos that he's had on other songs, like uh, Fucking Problems. Honestly, I'm yeah, I'm stuck in what 2013. Sue me. So. He was detained in Sweden for getting into some sort of fistfight. I looked at it online. I did see his security guards trying to de-escalate a situation. And these men were not having it. They wouldn't leave them alone. They were saying, like, you you fuck with my headphones. I don't know, man. All I know is, cut to the next shot. This dude is swinging, J. Rocky is swinging this little man around like a like a javelin thrower, I was dead. He, like, swings him and throws him. But to me, it looked like self-defense. Like, I don't know from what, but I know if some guys are up in your face confronting you and won't leave you alone and you're famous and you're a risk for being robbed or being extorted and all kinds of stuff. Or just just people just want to mess with you because they know who you are. And you're a higher profile. You're an easily findable person to rob and mess with. You gotta defend yourself. So I don't know what happened. If it was any other person, I would be uncomfortable with the optics of that you know, because I'm a rapper, because I come I can come to Europe and tour for you and perform for you and you can I can sell out and headline your music festivals. However, if I defend myself, then I'm just a thug again and I'm just like some violent person that needs to be put in jail. That's kind of how I'm reading it. that that's the part that bothers me. Now, I also talk about lots of countries like Sweden and, you know, people clenchers in that region on the show. And perhaps they're not. Who knows? Maybe there's some turn the other cheek ass mofos. Perhaps you just don't fist fight there. It's not a, it's not a ting. I don't know. I know in Australia you can just like end up at the bar and just gunshots by the end of the night like they people just get drunk and brawl and you know so different countries have different escalation cultures who knows what people are really going to jail for the most in Sweden I don't however it just seems a little off but the next part that seemed off was that he was putting put in inhumane conditions and he said you know like this terrible solitary confinement I don't even know if they do that over there I feel like they have like boondoggle and hair braiding lessons and flower arrangements in prison in Sweden. Let me look up again what he said about where I don't, I, is it really that his conditions are inhumane or is it just that he, they won't let him come back to the U S yeah, no, I don't think it's inhumane. I, I highly doubt this. I just looked at a website from the prison. Like, yes, the prison has a website and it looks like a hospital. They, it looks like an extremely clean hospital and they show this, Guard pushing down what looks like a the cart that you get your food on on an airplane. So this flight attendant guard is pushing down this cart. He opens the door. He says, "Ya, lunch," which I guess is lunch. Opens the door and hands them this recyclable cardboard box with a fresh orange. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, apparently, this thing that Rocky is in is called a remand prison, which is where people stay while they're awaiting trial and so they can only stay there for like two weeks it's like a two week sentence while you're waiting for your trial and asylum seekers awaiting deportation stay there substance abusers mentally ill people waiting to be placed in an institution can also be held there and this is according to the website so something to think about is this really I don't know how you know if mentally ill people are we really It's. it seems like it's not even punishment oriented it's like holding oriented I don't know Um, apparently for the week of July 18th, July 8th to 14th, prisoners at Cronoberg were given dishes, including minced meat, potato soup, sausage, stew with rice, cod, mashed potato, chili, and spicy pasta. I mean, none of those are my preference, but you know, I'm bougie. Um, let's see. ASAP is not on restriction, so he's not on solitary confinement. Is this a real picture? Guys, they have flat screen TVs in here. In this prison. It's a it's a it looks like a dorm room. Nah. No, nah, it looks like a dorm room. Nope, nope, nope. With beautiful windows to the outside and a beautiful says, criminal Lavarden with all this greenery outside of it. Okay. Okay. And that wasn't that wasn't the point of the story. It's part of the point of the story. But anyway, the main point is that ASAP Rocky, unfortunately, said some really asinine thing in two thousand sixteen and their comments are biting him in an ass in his ass <laughs> not in an ass so in an interview with Time Out magazine asap rocky was asked about whether he felt like he was forced to be political in his music and he said they're not forcing me to do shit i'm just gonna stay black and die why because i'm black so every time something ha- i don't i've never heard him talk to you before this is just what i felt like doing so so every time something happens because i'm black i gotta stand up what the fuck am i l sharpton now i'm asap rocky the S is a dollar sign I did not sign up to be no political activist I want to talk about my motherfucking lean my best friend dying the girls that coming in and out of my life the jiggy fashion that I wear jiggy? My new inspirations in drugs what the fuck wait a minute <laughs> hold up. my new inspirations in drugs I don't want to talk shit about no fucking Ferguson and shit because I don't live over there I live in fucking Soho and Beverly Hills I can't relate I'm in the studio, man. I'm in these fashion studios. I'm in these bitches' drawers. I'm not doing anything outside of that. That's my life. So we went from, like, Oakland to Texas to... I mean, there's a lot of things in there. But that's what I felt like doing on Saturday. So you're going to get it. You're going to take... You're going to take what I give you and like it. Um, So where do we begin? The real comedy of this is now... Who is his family campaigning to uh, pleading with, to trying to engage, to help get Rocky out of Sweden? Al Sharpton. So that's what I call coming full circle all the way around the sun. Um, I just, because I feel like I, sh- you know, it's me. I'm going to try to give this a little bit of more credence. Okay it's weird it's weird right because what he's saying is not totally unreasonable I'm gonna say it I don't think it's totally crazy but then he splashes in other things that are like oh but you're an idiot because of the things you do want it like so this is a common question that's asked of any black artist or creator ever do you feel like you have to talk about only black shit essentially in some form do you feel like you have to do this Do you feel like you have to do that and I, I even deal with it on the podcast sometimes. I'm like, do I have to report every depressing racist thing that happened? Or can I just talk about 90 Day Fiance right now? Because that's what's interesting me more. And I think whether you are a public persona, whether you're just a little scotch of a public persona, or just a person with a Facebook profile. I mean, people on Facebook get the criticism. Why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about that? You should be talking about this right now. You should be talking about that right now. I think the pressure is there because if you're an oppressed minority of any kind if there's something that is looming over your head about your status as a, as a citizen, as a human being in, in whatever skin or genitals you were given or gender identity, that is kind of a like meta theme over your whole day. It's a it's a cloud, and I don't want to say a cloud in a sad sense. I want to say like a factual sense. This is just something you're carrying with you all the time. So it's always going to be tied up into your identity, the question of, What is your responsibility and how much do you need to fight for whatever cause at whatever time? However, with art, especially, we see that we don't usually get to just talk about some bullshit. You know, we don't usually just get to have a coming-of-age story about how I went to prom. It's got to be about, like, how I went to prom and then there was a shooting and then the Klan infiltrated my high school and... I, you know it's it, it, we, it's a lot of pressure it's gonna be pressure to not tell the stories you want to tell so i get that i think with me the judgment comes when you say things like i want to talk about bitches instead then i'm like oh so you're trading out a meaningful thing to say misogynist and womanizing things about? okay it that was just trashy um And then he took it another step further with the the classism part is what makes it. I think that's what makes people like be like, I can't relate now. It's above me now. You You in jail? It's above me now. Because he didn't have to say, I don't live in Ferguson. I don't live there. I live in Soho. Like, what does that mean? I don't live in Ferguson either. Like, I still care about Ferguson. So you're literally saying that you just get to a point where you have too much money to Care about other people's suffering, I think people are taking like I'm white, I don't have black people problems, and I, I see that too. But I also see it as just like you're a giant asshole and amoralistic if you're like because I live in Soho and fashion houses, I don't care about police brutality. What would the connection to that even be? You don't care about some people like would you say I don't care about people being children being gassed in Syria because I live in Soho? So. The fact that it's your people or not is, is notwithstanding. It's like, what are you actually, what is the point you're actually trying to make here? And I guess that comes from whatever. It's just kind of funny to be trading in these stereotypes of rapping, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. So you want that part, and that's the part that made you famous. But then you want to divorce yourself from blackness in other ways. So you're okay being like a minstrelly rapper, cocoon person. But you're not okay. Didn't I say I was gonna be nice to him, and now I'm dragging him and calling him a coon? Oh well, it's Saturday; it happens. So, like, you're okay. I, I'm literally thinking of this as I go along. Like, what you're okay with that? But then you want to make sure you know everyone comes, knows that you live in Soho and go to Fashion Week, and probably sit in the front. What is that? Does this like circle back to what I was saying about Ty Dolla Sign? Does this mean that there's like an entire new social class of these little alternative rapper dudes that? you know, do a lot of drugs, have dreadlocks, sometimes wear skirts, date white women, so they want they want to make sure that you know that we know that they're like part of this echelon of like, you know, those celebrities that just had rich parents and are Instagram stars like that world. Uh yeah, a very interesting, a lot of interesting different like performances, different identity performances going on there. However, now there's a petition to get him out of jail, and people are just like, it's above me now. It's above me now. Like, I thought you didn't care about jails. Now you're in jail in fucking Sweden. I mean, is Sweden would have to be like the Soho of American jails, I, I would have to guess. You're getting mincemeat and codfish, you know, some miso black cod from Tao or some shit. So I could totally see why people are making fun of you now. And also, we can't do anything about it, so it's easy to make fun of. See, see what we did there? You didn't care about Ferguson and want to sing about it because – He literally said, like, he kind of said in the the question before that, in the time I interviewed, like, what can I do? I want to talk about things that happened to me directly. Like, I can't change that. It's not. He kind of said it's not my wheelhouse. It's like, well, I'm not a prison liberation abolitionist. So I'm just going to make fun of you on my podcast instead. People have also made some interesting parallels to other troubled people. Like, uh, what's her name? What's homegirl that always got kicked off Twitter for? calling Rain Malik like a sand jockey nigger or something really horrible that is still is just so bad that it has to make you laugh. Like there's a there's this there's a ebo saying sad things make you laugh. I don't want to try to say it. Does anyone does any of my family hey fam, listen to the podcast are gonna make fun of me. It's Ihenna Ojatoshi. I don't I don't know. Sad things make you laugh. Which is true. Um what is her name? Oh Uh, Azalea Banks people were kind of contrasting how no one stands up for her when she she's like that broken clock that's right once a day so she'll be like saying crazy things crazy things but then it's like Russell Crowe really did like assault her and spit on her Russell Crowe is doesn't he have other DV charges so it's never something that like that shouldn't have been something hard to believe but then no one defends her tries to get her out of sticky situations but we always are going to start like some sort of campaign for black men that told us that you know black women like we're bald headed hoes and fuck off and you know whatever the fuck like we there's always this this rush to protect and care for men and black women who are holding everything up are just kind of left to the wayside so people are bringing that up now a lot of people are you know come up and s- turn about as fair play all of that all of that uh and I get it I get that it's not unfair it's it's not In a delightful turn. Just a, everything that I like. So I love The Read. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's two friends just talking shit. You know, I hear I sit and talk shit with myself. You see the similarities. But it's great. Um, Crystal and Kid Fury, they're famous. They have a show coming to TV. Very opinionated. Opinionated woman, which I like. Says what she thinks. Doesn't hold back. And so she, like anyone else who's like, in pop culture, thinks about things, remembers anything that happened two weeks ago, remembers the shit he said, shared like, oh, I thought about this statement and that's all she said. She didn't say Rod in prison, nigga, die. She just, she just merely like when, when someone can just screenshot something you've said yourself and say, hmm, you kind of fucked up, right? Like if you are in a situation that is so ironic that someone can merely post a picture of something that you yourself said verbatim and then just say huh mm-hmm. that's on you that's on you so that's what she did and then joe budden said he called her a but that nasty ass bum ass homegirl is homegirl an insult now i what where are we just I don't know. I guess when you're like a pundit, as they just it, as they just called him, you can make stuff up. Like you can set the tone. So homegirls an insult. I don't know what that means. But he said about Crystal, that's so nasty on Twitter. But that nasty as bum ass homegirl, I seen her put it out. It's just like you niggas that be preaching this pro black shit but get evil in a heartbeat. Woo. Okay, pro black doesn't mean I have to like all black people anyway. Like I don't understand what the. Hell. But Crystal just said. LMFAO, I know all about how Buttons bitch ass is steam pressed over me in our show. Nigga ought to be glad I paved the way for him. Damn. I am not talking about his goofy ass on my bigger, longer running, more money making coming to TV this fall show. He can get these tweets though. Dead. I mean that's what kind of I mean does anything else need to be said? So yeah, it's like someone I actually, like, listened to in real life every week got in the fray on this, too. I thought that was funny. But yeah, whatever. Men do, you know, misbehave badly and then want to help their friends out. That's, and I'm not talking about the, the actual crime of hitting those Swedish people. I don't care about that. I'm talking about all the shit he says about women and all, all these statements. So you misbehave and then you, your friends just want what they want. They just, you know, forget about that pro-black shit. Just get my black friend home, like, Okay, fine. We'll talk about other men behaving badly, uh, behaving like evilly elsewhere in the show today and and how friends just want to help their friends out, which is the president, the president and his friends. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, good luck ASAP. It sounds like two weeks is not going to kill you. The inconvenience is probably that it derailed his tour more. Um, Sounds like they're following due process with you in Sweden. They don't even have that many black people there. So I can't say you're getting treated differently than other people would be. I don't know. I know they do have like some immigration problems, but you're an American celebrity. Like, so I wouldn't say that you're going to be treated exactly the way like, you know, a, a, a refugee from, you know, Cameroon is or something. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. My level of investment is not that high. I think he's okay. I think he's safe. All right, we are not going to spend a lot of time on this clown because we have before in the past. Um, R. Kelly is being, he has been arrested. He's going to jail. He was handed uh, an indictment of 13 counts, including four counts of producing child pornography and two counts of receiving child pornography by a federal grand jury. He's also facing an additional five-count indictment from the Eastern District of New York for racketeering and the Mann Act, isn't the Mann Act? I think the Mann Act is that, like, part of the Prohibition Act where that was the one that didn't allow people to... Let me Google it real quick. So I remembered some shit. I was a history major. It was, seems like eons ago now. Um, Yeah, they called it the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910. It was regulating interstate and foreign commerce by prohibiting the transportation therein for immoral purposes of women and girls. So it's kind of like a offshoot of a sex trafficking ad. But I do remember that that was something that came heavily into play in prohibition when people were trying to crack down on alcohol, speakeasies, women come, you know, having like parlors where they entertain men in various manners, sexual and also kind of more like a hosting. Japanese-style situation where you're just hanging around the beautiful ladies, but sex is not necessarily included. They were cracking down on all of that. That's very interesting that he was indicted for that as well. Um, the most interesting part about this is that he was turned over by his fucking evil co-workers. So finally, what, I mean, what does it feel like to finally do the right thing? But it, in so doing, you have to admit that you've just been lying for like 20 years when how do you feel like do you feel like oh is it like oh I finally did the right thing I'm free of this or does everyone just look at you and they're like wow you're a total liar we can never believe anything you say ever again I mean these people just denied facts which is like a thing now it's a popular thing to do no he didn't do that that picture where you saw he was peeing on someone it wasn't him and now they finally have gone and turned all the videos in so I mean, what, what could be more compelling than members of his own team turning him in? So I'm really, I haven't tracked yet, like, what Twitter is saying about this and whether the pitiful, sad, uh, Stockholm Syndrome-having-ass women who feel compelled to defend him are still defending him. But I got to say, I think, I think this is done. Like, if there's, this whole thing was perpetrated for so long by people protecting him. In helping him, you know, like his wife said on the documentary Surviving R. Kelly, his ex-wife, she she said shadily and appropriately, I mean, he can't read. Who's buying the plane tickets? Okay, and we'll leave it there because we always got to inject some humor into things. So that was funny. You can't tell me that wasn't funny. So by now, I'm sure you're caught up with the story regarding... Jeffrey Epstein which can also be titled how many different rapists not including himself can Trump be friends with I saw I think it was uh Demetria Lucas on say how count on, can you count on a hand how many rapists you're really close friends with probably zero that you know of why what happens to you when you're at a point in life where this is just your social, social circle. This is just some normal shit. What does that say about you? What does that mean? So, I mean, we have, you know, the, the author who released her biography about terrible men and included that Trump in there uh, sexually assaulted her, raped her in the dressing room of, like, Bergdorf, and this was maybe 30 years ago four or so. Uh, so they were both middle-aged then but younger, and it sounds, I mean, it's a heartbreaking really. And it wasn't what people were expecting because this lady is, she's of a generation where people, let me get her name right. Let me, let me put some respect on her name. Hold on. Hold, hold the phone, please. And Carol. And interestingly, in Googling her, I just found out she used to be married to a black man, John Johnson, who was a media figure. He was on the news, I believe. Yeah. He was a news anchor. Uh, on ABC News, the first African-American documentary film producer, director and writer at a broadcast network. That's really impressive that she was married to a black man before it was before it was cool. I like it's kind of funny that now I'm just like side-eyeing like people who would fetishize black men, but back in the day, she could have gotten a lot of flack for that. So anyway, she's written this book about horrible men, the men who have abused her in her life and an excerpt of this book was published on The New Yorker. She was on the cover of The New Yorker. It was heartbreaking, honestly, because she has she said she was, in writing a book of her life, like one of the unifying themes was all these horrible encounters with men that kept coming up. And among them was Trump. And I think she says that he's not even the worst amongst them. He's just a type. He's a prototype of a type of rich bastard, rapist asshole that thinks he can take what he wants from women and not ask. Um, it... In this encounter, uh, where she was assaulted by him, I think it happened in Bergdorf's. I believe she met him, and he was a media mogul at the time, and he was a character around New York. Which, by the way, while the rest of the country tries to decipher like whether he has morals or not, New Yorkers have known this clown for years. Like people in real estate are notoriously—I mean, it is a thing for them to like not be honest. He was like a known pathological liar and a clown. Like this is not someone people respected. It was just a rich kind of, uh, you know, court jester. So anyway, al- allegedly he, he told her he needed to buy underwear for a lady friend or n- buy lingerie as a gift. And she said she would help him. And she's thinking at the time she is an advice columnist. She's a public figure on New York herself runs in those circles. She thought it was exciting and they're flirting a little bit, whatever he takes her into the dressing room, pushes her, holds her down and uh, penetrates her in short order. So, She told one friend at the time who said, never speak of this again. Like, it will ruin you. Don't tell anyone. He'll destroy you. And she told another friend that said to go to the police. Now, the other thing about so many of these cases that come out from Me Too is that we have recordings of people telling their therapists. We have phone calls. We have police. Uh, Some people do go to the police, but then they decide not to press charges. I mean, which was in the case of, um, Lord help me, so many things happen. Supreme Court Justice dude who's screaming and crying. Yeah, his his accuser. She had, like, notes from her psychiatrist in the 90s or, or the 80s. No, in the 90s, revisiting what happened then. And if you are not sure if people talk about things that happened 10 years before, then you have never been in therapy. So, but anyway, um, you know, so there's some documentation that this is true, yada, yada, yada. But she talks very plainly about how, I didn't want to talk about this. I didn't want death threats. I didn't. And now she is having them, as she predicted. And she also says this is just one of a bunch of things that happened. This is the way men treated me. I come from a generation of women who did not – we didn't get stuck. We just keep it moving. We just shake it off. I mean, can you imagine – well, it's getting easier and easier to imagine, but that the world – is at war with your body in such a way that you know that it sort of doesn't belong to you. And that as a woman of that period, these are the things that happen. There was one man who raped her, attempted to rape her at knife point in college when he was like taking her to some lookout point where people kiss and exchange letter jackets and things in the fifties and held her at knife point, tried to rape her. She beat him up, fought back and ran away. And she, she was going down the road and someone picked her up and was just like, oh, some guy tried some stuff with you, huh? I mean, it was mundane. And what I appreciate about her is that she didn't take – she acknowledges the, the way she was raised and the era that she grew up in and how it shaped her into what she is. But she does not um, – she doesn't say that younger women should do the same. Which is a problem that I was having with so many of these older feminists and things with me, too, is people were like, well, I don't know. Is that really called this? Well, when that happened to me, and you're supposed to want better for the people younger than you, the next people. You're not supposed to be like, well, you know, uh, I just, you know, when I was in middle school, they called me Luke Cage. I just dodged the bullets, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And I ran to school with my, my bulletproof backpack. And then, uh, no, you were supposed to want something different. So she doesn't say, like, it's okay. She says, this is what happened, and this is how I dealt with it. This is my story. Um, so I, I, I hope I haven't covered that already. I I'd reiterate that to say that that was in the news, got covered up pretty quickly. And then we moved right on to Epstein. Epstein is a billionaire, financier, and a friend of Trump. He was indicted on sex charges from 2002 to about 2005, he this is literally from the indictment. He enticed, recruited minor girls to visit his mansion in Manhattan and Palm Beach to engage in sex acts, after which he would give the victims hundreds of dollars of cash. Moreover, in order to maintain and increase his supply of victim, he paid certain of his victims to recruit additional girls. So he was charged with sex trafficking, sex trafficking, conspiracy conspiracy. Combined sentence maximum of up to 45 years in prison, which is nothing less than what he deserves and would be the rest of his miserable-ass life. So some of these victims were as young as 13, and other investigations have identified more than 60 victims, and if you count their friends, it goes up into the 100s. Now, the part about this case that's really salacious is that in 2008, he got a plea deal by none other than U.S. Labor Secretary in Trump's cabinet that has just resigned, Acosta. Instead of pleading guilty, he was charged with two counts of prostitution. So, meaning he raped children, threw money at them afterwards, which is kind of how molesters will be like, here's a prize, here's a gift, like don't tell anyone about this type deal. And then the court system is going to say that those kids are prostitutes and give him two counts of prostitution. And here's the other part. He was allowed to leave prison six days a week for 12 hours a day to go to work. This is why I sometimes rant about, like, wealth, supporting wealth, for just – we worship wealth in this country in a way that is – it's like we don't have a monarchy, right? This is a rich person who – it's not like his wealth is, like, being trickled back down to, like, the kingdom or something. Why do I fucking need you to go make billions just to make – like, why – Why are you, how does that make you important? Important people are teachers, the people who take care of kids. Important people are fucking babysitters, okay? Like, important people are the people that work at soup kitchens and homeless shelters. Why do we need, how do we decide what's important here? Like, I don't understand that. So, yeah, it's just super essential that, you know, rich white dudes stay rich, even though. Who is personally benefiting from your being a financier, financier? isn't the, Financier is a pastry. How do you say this in English? Do you just say financier? I don't know. Anyway, so in 2002, Trump was quoted in New York Magazine and told them that Mr. Epstein is a terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side what the fuck like this is okay so we pretty much have the president just admitting that he hangs out with the same young girls that Epstein does so this was just on Monday Uh, let's see what happened on Monday they unsealed these yeah so basically in that time Acosta who was one of the people that was uh, granted him this lenient sentence is the US labor secretary he has now resigned And this is how it is with every one of Trump's cabinet members. First, it's Trump gets on Twitter and says, they're a really good guy. I don't know why the people are coming from them. I hear that. He always does this. I hear that bullshit. You're the president, you idiot. What do you mean you heard? He's always, well, I hear. So with other stuff, he knows it directly. But with this, well, as they say, I hear that there were other people involved with that decision. Yep, yep. mm Mm-hmm. That's how, like, court works. That's how trial works. It's not just, like. Me sitting here with the podcast by myself and being like, yes, and now you shall be sent it. Yeah, it involves more than one person. Mm-hmm. So there are other people involved. Duh, duh, duh. And then suddenly a week later, they've resigned like it. But we're just going to say that none of this, you know, none of this is going to be smirched Trump's reputation at all. It, it, I don't understand why he's tough on like this. I really don't. I've never quite seen anything like it. It doesn't really make sense evangelicals, what do you have to say about this? Is there any, is there anything or any association he could have that would be unsavory to someone? I don't really understand. Anyway, that's just another story of how these men have been getting away with stuff forever. I just, you know, being that I am in the arts, I happened to look and saw an article that Epstein had also founded a wing at Interlochen, that rich kids' theater camp that is uh, really prestigious, and Anne Hathaway went there, etc. So he has a whole wing. I mean, the, the, the ways that he's rooted himself into child programs so that he can have young people sent his way is just so blatant and out there in your face. So just think about that, that, that uh, President Trump said, he's a terrific guy, he's a lot of fun to be with, he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. Something to think about. <laughs> So I would be remiss if I did not mention Megan Rapinoe, who, you know, my awareness of sports and what's going on is not the best. Usually, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, But I did notice her fierce lesbian haircut, and I was like, yes, we're just going to have platinum side shaves giving you fierce lesbian realness. You better represent girl, work. I was like, "This, this is hot. She's a hot girl. So I was already, like, watching just pictures of her before I even knew the story of what was going on image-wise, I was like, yes. I'm here. I'm standing for whatever this woman is doing. I don't know what she's doing. So, as you know, the women's soccer team is killing it in the game. The U.S. women's soccer team is killing it in the game. Uh, They are awesome. The male soccer team is not. The male soccer team makes, like, three times as much money as the women's soccer team does. I don't... What is the explanation for this? Like, it's, it's, it's outrageous. It's when are we going to stop doing this shit? Anyway, Megan, uh, who's a star on the women's soccer team and took us to this victory for the World Cup, she said she was not going to visit the White House if she won. Um, and then... She said in another video that then went viral, like, I'm not going to the fucking White House. So, of course, he calls her out on Twitter directly, right? Because the only way to respond to someone who talks about you when you're an enormously f- famous public figure is to seek out every one of them and individually respond, right? Because, like, running the country, who has time? Who has time? Um, he said he's a big fan of the American team and women's soccer, but Megan should win first before she talks. Finish the job. Well, then she scored a penalty kick in the final and went on to finish the job. Booyah, shaka. So she's now become an outspoken figure. She's become an LGBT rights figure that's very important, and it's beautiful to watch because you can immediately tell that everything about her would rub Trump the wrong way. She's loud. She's outspoken. She's confident. She's a woman. She's not from an Eastern European country. She has no breast implants. Uh, she doesn't say things like, they egg him on. They egg him on. I mean, men like him hate women who aren't women that they would sleep with. Like, it is an affront to them that women are walking around living their lives caring about things that are not what men like them think of them, these women. That was a lot of pronouns. I apologize for that. But you get my point. So... I thought it was really interesting. All the coverage that's happening is numerous, but I found an article that covered how Fox News was responding to her, and I thought it was such a beautiful, senseless example of how hard it is to be heard as an ally, and, like, not as an ally, sorry, like, as an activist, as a a subjugated minority, discriminated against group, oppressed group, We live in a time, and maybe it's always been that time, but this is the time that I'm living in, where you can literally lay out what the problems you have are and what you would like to be done. And someone can just be like, but stop. But you're being mean. So Megan was blasted on Fox News by – I don't know these Fox News people by heart. This idiot's name is – Do-do-do – Kurtz? Howard Kurtz. He said that he – She said that – uh. Megan Rapinoe had ruined a great unifying moment by not being nice to Donald Trump. So she had a very direct message uh, saying that Trump excluded people of color and the LGBT community with a Make America Great uh, slogan. Like she said that. That's what she said. So then Kurtz blasted her for taking a divisive approach. But wait, she just said she thought Make America Great was divisive. So then you said that she's being divisive. Is that like, I know you are, but what am I? Like, what is the listening and response process that goes into saying stuff like that? He said she's constantly been given interviews dissing Donald Trump, dissing the White House, dissing the national anthem. I think that is a shame. She's happy to go and accept an invitation to go to the Hill from Cortez, but Ocasio-Cortez, but really attacking the president. Here's my issue. What part of what she said was unclear, though? What are people supposed to like being oppressed? She's part of the LGBT community. You're saying the trans people can't go to the military. Now, there is an attack on the civil rights of gay people that is like insidious and calculated. That's not getting as much coverage as, as 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 it might. But the unfortunate thing about the Trump presidency is that as stupid as he is, He's hired very evil people in the background who do know how to do their job, and they are systematically stripping away civil rights, measure by measure, bill by bill. She told you, hey, I don't like this. And you are like, but why? Stop being mean. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. So American Airlines prevented a black woman from going on the plane from on her flight from Jamaica to Miami, which are just like two places you dress as a hoe. I, I just want to put it out there like those, those are naked locations because she was wearing a romper. It was just a romper, which it's funny because the article I'm reading needed to explain what a romper was. And I thought that was cute. It says. She was wearing a bright summer romper, similar to shorts and a strapless shirt. Yeah, it was like a strapless. You know how some strapless things, they're, it's not like it was like a bikini top, like Madonna, pointy breast cone, even if it was none of this would matter. But it, my point is it was high, like when it's above your armpit level and it's just like staying like above your armpit with a little floral, with a little flounce. So kind of covering your breast no breast is showing there's not even like a cleavage indentation showing because it's just sitting straight across your shoulders so that's how the strapless part was and then it was shorts and the doctor has a very nice figure she's thick like she's not like nothing is like hanging out she just got a very shapely booty and that's it they told her she had to wrap up in a blanket before she would get on a female flight attendant asked her if she had a jacket to wear and warned her she wasn't getting on the plane dressed like that my question is like, A, who the fuck are you talking to? Like, A, number one, who are you talking to? B, I'm confused if, is this the handmaid's tale? What's going on? I, airlines have been cutting up. They make new rules all the time, and I can't keep up with them. Is there a dress code? I just, I didn't know there was one. And if it was, I bet it involves, I know you can wear shorts. That I fucking know. You know how I know? Because honestly, I am suspicious of people who wear shorts for other reasons. I personally am so cold on a plane that I usually have socks, my own blanket, a sweater that is just for travel, thick leggings, something I don't, people that fly in flip-flops, like, honestly freak me out. They, it, it gives me nightmares. I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. I don't get it. I just don't get it. So that's why I would have been suspicious of her. Other than that, this is nothing more than the same old bullshit, hypersexualization of black women's bodies, because if this was a very skinny girl, like a teenager with a, midriff crop top and some little booty shorts with no ass hanging out, you would not have said anything to her. You wouldn't have said anything to her. I also didn't mention this because it shouldn't matter at all. But uh, Dr. Rao is the lady's name. She's a family medicine doctor, MD, MBA. And I just think it goes to show that if people with that access to education cannot advocate for themselves and prevent getting in these types of situations, then how would different people from different socioeconomic backgrounds be treated? It would be even worse. So there was a mealy mouth apology. Um, they said, we apologize to Dr. Rowe and her son for their experience. We have fully refunded their travel. We are proud to serve customers of all backgrounds and are committed to providing a positive safe travel experience for everyone who flies with us. Sorry, that was Selma. Selma, be quiet. Oh my gosh, she's so inappropriate. Hold on one second. My The dog is being so rude. My sister's dog is just the most entitled person you have ever met. She thinks everything is about her. She doesn't follow any commands at all. She's a princess. She sleeps on a bunch of pillows. And she thinks she's queen of the apartment. Don't you Selma? Don't you think you're queen of the apartment? I mean, I still she's still cute, but she's just being a terror today so actually the podcast is going to be shorter it's our roommate Haja's birthday she's having a giant 70s bash barbecue there's lots of preparation there's mulch happening you know a serious when mulch is happening okay so I can't really give you the silence that I wanted to but that's okay because it's a hot girl summer I was gonna say was that these stories have don't have a satisfying ending. I don't understand how many times companies can do some crazy off the wall shit that you'd be like, "We're so sorry that this happened. We aspire to give everyone the experience that blah blah." You didn't, you didn't, and you. For moreover, what are the rules and the infrastructure that allowed this to happen? It it doesn't make sense. Like, do you have a dress code other than just wearing clothes? Like, I didn't even, I wasn't aware. I don't think you're aware either because you weren't even able to cite a specific thing. Like this is why you were stopped. This is the regulation that led this bitch to think this was okay. This is, you know, she was fired. She wasn't fired. There's never any follow through. So screw you. American airlines. It's absolutely outrageous, but black women the world over understand the pain of feeling like when we wear something, it's sexual. When someone else wears something it's perceived differently And it's annoying. It's a double standard. Stop looking at my butt just because it's awesome. Good night. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about was a viral video. It's a viral video that was not different from many other viral videos involved a white person calling the police on black people, as you do. The thing that was different about this video was that the father, uh, this was in San Francisco, and there was a black man who had Tried to walk into a building uh, when the door was being opened by the person in front of it, which where I come from, we just called that like holding the door for the person behind you because you're not an asshole. And the white man demanded to know who he was, what let let me see your papers or whatever, let me see your freedom papers, let me you know what's your name, who you're gonna visit, blah blah blah. And then he called the police on this black man. The difference was his child was there. His child was holding on to him and crying. Dad, please don't do this. I don't like this, Dad. Dad, leave him alone. No, don't do this. Dad, stop. And I don't know if this sweet, sensitive child was like, this little boy had is old enough. I don't know what the kids do. I guess he looked about seven or eight. Is that old enough to have seen these viral videos online? Or maybe he just felt the energy was dead and is bad and his dad was being a dick the same way he's a dick at home because people usually are, the way they are. Uh, maybe he was just very sensitive to seeing his father confront another bigger, I don't know if the man was bigger or just another man. Like maybe he was like, dad, you're not fucking like, you, you know, you're not like Bill, okay, Annie Oakley, like stop being a cowboy, stop confronting people. The funny part was that this gentleman, the black man who was being interrogated filmed him and he said okay you're about to be next the next person all over the internet and the the guy calling the police and harassing was like are you threatening me it's like yes i am threatening that you're going to be all over the internet just like everyone else who has done this thing which your little son is aware of but you're not so then of course he calls the cops and says and he's threatening me and he's putting a camera in my face bloody blah 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 then a white woman shows up who I I found out later is not the woman who lives in the building but is a friend of his who maybe was also meeting with a friend and he backs down and he's like okay officer yes can you hear him on the phone because he was telling him to fuck off and stuff and he's like he appears to be African American he's 5'10 wearing a polo blah 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 I mean same old story different people right The interesting thing about this was the conversation on the Internet that I was able to partake in afterwards Um, on Facebook. There was a white gentleman who was asking, well, how do you know when you're being racist and when you're being safe? And I like to ask people if they live in my building and I couldn't believe that other people don't do it because, you know, we've had robberies and et cetera, et cetera. And like big cities, San Francisco, New York. Okay, first of all, let me just say San Francisco is the most racist place I've ever been I hate it there. I was treated so poorly. Beautiful bridges, beautiful gowns. Sausalito's cute, but, like, what is the point of having this gorgeous beachside town when you can't get in the water? Trick bag. I, I, I hate it there. I also had building. I was looking for an apartment, and the, the uh, landlord, not the landlord, the broker was, like, letting me in. And I had a door shut in my face. Someone shut a door in my face. I was look like a freaking highlighter. I was wearing, like, these bright... Rainbow-colored yoga pants and a parka—not a parka, an anorak. I found that people just were so suspicious and rude to black people everywhere you were. There's no context clues at all. So this software engineer guy in this video, uh, he doesn't necessarily look like a, you know, someone who's without a home or someone who's strung out on drugs or people who are in extreme states of agitation and distress like emotionally, psychologically. Those are the people that are living like in the Tenderloin, the downtown homeless area of LA. I mean, sorry, of San Francisco. You can tell a black software engineer who is not on drugs, because I'm not saying a software engineer means we're not, you know, have issues. But you can tell that from a homeless person who's coming to rob you with some context clues. But black people are not afforded those context clues. And culturally, we're also not... Uh, we're not into just randomly confronting people because A, we like being alive when you're not privileged and you know that your body is unfairly policed you don't feel like you could just go anywhere and confront anyone and and you'll be okay and we know that as soon as we got the cops called on us and had to argue for self-defense, you know, everything would be our fault so I was really intrigued to get in this conversation with this guy where I happened to ask him like, can you explain to me why you feel comfortable confronting strangers and he was like, well I'm a big dude. Not that many people are bigger than me. And you know, he gave answers, but it didn't really make sense. I, I don't think I don't think you guys have thought this all the way through. If you were really scared of these of people or something happening to you, why would you go up to them? And then the thing that really freaked me out was it said that the guy in the video who called the cops and this black man was a victim of violence. And so he is from part of generational violence where his father confronted a homeless man in their front yard and the homeless man killed him, stabbed him and killed him. It was like an insane person. So because you experienced such great loss where your father was killed for confronting someone, you have now made it your mission to confront people in front of your child who is crying that was just about the weirdest thing I ever heard. So I just after that, I said, well, I, I guess I don't, you know, everyone behaves differently from grief, but I'm not sure that I quite follow the logic in this one. Um, but yeah, I, I want I, I I got in an interesting conversation with this guy online and I had to tell him, you know, I, I want to push back about a couple things. You're assuming that, given this, everyone would act the same with you, well as you. Well, here's some cultural reasons why, you know, black people don't really feel entitled to go around confronting people because then, we, you know, we're seen as the aggressor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So your entire premise about how people should act and how people should behave is completely shaped by your worldview. And I think a lot of times, privileged people, white people sometimes male, what what have you. People who are not used to being told no to certain things. They're used to being seen as the mainstream and they perceive themselves as mainstream to the extent that they're not able to do a simple thought experience and put themselves in the shoes of someone else and say like, well, why isn't what I would, what I would do in this situation what someone else would do? When you are not the majority, and by the majority I mean in power, you're always having to think about what other people want and what someone else wants something You support those people. You work for those people. They're in charge, socially, privilege-wise, et cetera. So I, I know that he feels, you know, I know that Tad feels accounted for and safe. I also know that he's not, but I, I know that he feels that way. I thought it was really interesting. His name is not Tad. I'm just being mean. I thought it was interesting that he wasn't able to realize that, no, it's going to be met with hostility if you ask people if you live someplace. Because, hello, we were shut out of those buildings historically. I have a very violent rage reaction to white people who are not paid authority figures telling me to do stuff. You don't get to ask me questions about where I'm going. You don't get to ask to check up on me. Absolutely fucking not. And I'm a pretty nice girl. I help old people in need. I like to help line people across the street. I, I really do because I have really bad eyesight and it's this thing. I'm like in a parallel life, like in another life, I was blind. I know it. I'm so close. So I really empathize. It's, but anyway, so just don't assume that because something doesn't bother you when you ask someone out, I will cuss you the, all the way the fuck out. If you were to be like, Hey, I don't know your name. I haven't, I'd be like, do you have a yearbook for everyone in the fucking building? Who the fuck are you, sir? Do you want my freedom papers, Massa? I would go all the way there. I will go all the way in. I have no chill when it comes to stuff like that. So for him to, you know, yeah, hey, buddy, haven't seen you around there. I also don't understand. I'm not one of the whole, like, say aggressive things in a nice voice part. I'm not part of that club either. Like, what's the nice way to ask me if I'm a robber? I'm either a robber and I'm going to hit you in the face with my crowbar or I'm not and you've offended me. So there's a lot of different things within that that that, that to me make it not a good idea to do that to someone. But you know, that's what happened. And um, he he felt okay with it. And I have to say, now you're famous. This gentleman works for YouTube. It seems he has not been fired yet. So I wait with bated breath for that to happen. Um, I just wait, I can't wait for the cultural paradigm shift where people just even if you're so racist inside of your heart, at least I don't have to walk around having these negative experiences because you have been scared straight. You've been scared straight like our dog, Selma, in the crate. Somebody needs to teach people how to act. somebody has got to teach people how to act somehow. Um, this podcast, really disorganized. I'm sleepy. It's been a doozy. It's been a week. I, I tried to get some stuff out to you, some thoughts. I promised to have them more together this week, but... A few things that have happened to me. So I moved, which was great. I live in Brooklyn now in a lovely, in my sister's brownstone with her wife, two cats, a dog, Rumi. I'm really starting my city girls, hot girl summer off to a good start. I feel like a different person in summer. Thank God the vitamin D, you know, seasonal depression. Like I, things are coming together emotionally. So that's awesome. Like, I'm just like, okay, summertime life. Yes. Yes. I had a freak accident, as I am wont to do. This week, I suddenly stepped down really hard uh, on something in my sneaker. I just stepped, took a step, and I was in the middle of taking my pants off. I had taken one pant leg off. Then I stepped on my sneaker, and something pierced through my skin, and I thought it was a nail. So I'm upstairs alone, and now for the first time, I live someplace where you can, like, Oh, shoot. I left my phone downstairs, you know, stuff that just like didn't happen before. Wasn't a consideration. I fall out on the floor, collapse. I just told the dog I was going to walk her. So she's circling me and excited, right? Then she can see I'm distressed. So she starts just barking on distress. I try to get up. I realize I can't walk. Something is connecting. I can't get my sneaker off because something has nailed my sneaker inside of my foot. Couldn't see what it was. Knew that I pulled and it was directly connected to inside of my flesh. So I'm screaming. The dog is like trying to squeeze through the cat gate. Then I open the, I can reach the gate. So I open the door with, I reach my arm. She comes in and like lies on me, which is like sweet, but also like any pressure that radiated towards my leg was so painful that I'm screaming. So then I slide down the stairs on my like half naked, but rolling around in cat hair, which I'm allergic to these pets, by the way. So I hop to the door. I start hopping. The dog thinks it's a game because I'm hopping on my good foot. I'm like, stop it! Get away! She's too big. She's so big. Like, if she stands up on her hind legs, she can, she'll, like, bite food out of your mouth. It's ridiculous. She's got no uh, cooth that one. Hop into an Uber. I tell the Uber driver... When I say hop, I literally, mean, I literally mean that a man on the street, by the way, saw me. And saw me trying to scoot down the railing of the stoop. And ca- carried me down the stairs. Pussed me in the Uber... I tell the Uber driver that I have a nail in my foot and I'm sorry and I'm just going to urgent care, which is literally like a four block walk, but I couldn't do it. He, of course, pulls up across the street from the urgent care and just like sits there and waits. I'm incredulous, but I'm not. I'm like in my heart. I'm like, he's probably not going to drop me in front of the urgent care because I told him I have a nail in my foot. He watched an utter stranger run from down the street, retrieve me from my stoop. I'm like moaning. And, and then I said, Hey, like, I don't want to be weird. I'm sorry. Like I'm not, I'm just, you know, this accident happened. I just need to go to urgent care. It's a couple of blocks. That's where I'm going. Of course. So he drops me across the street and I just look at him like, is this real life? So finally we've realized that what is stuck inside my foot when I get inside is ding, 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 a wig pin. It wasn't a nail. A wig pin got wedged inside of my sneaker and it punctured my skin it was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in and but once the doctor numbed it which had to be from like sticking a needle directly inside also excruciating then I felt okay and I feel okay now but I had stitches tetanus shot Benadryl for all the pets not sleeping other stuff going on great stuff my sister was in the diversity citywide diversity summit held uh by the law firm Ooh. oh Simpson and Thatcher sorry I was like Sherman and Mather you can usually get away with just naming some like really um Mayflower sounding things and it'll be a law firm and she in- interviewed Lauren Byrne Cox which was awesome and so I missed my regular night to record for you guys so that was cool um but apart from freak accidents and stuff like I wanted to just touch base on City Girl Hot Girl Summer cuz I saw an interesting thing online where people asked why is it that older women and by older they I think they mean like not teenagers, right? Like over 25. Like um Megan the Stallion and we like City Girls and but we don't like Nicki Minaj who's actually like the age of some of the people these people that like the other girls who are actually young. Like City Girls are like like 21, Megan the Stallion's like 24, 23. And I was talking to my roommate about this. Happy birthday, Haja. I think it's, I think it's because, well, first of all, city girls are selling this like ratchet fantasy, kind of like Joanne, the scammer. Like it's just subversive in the fact that it is about getting yours, doing what you want, having absolutely no thought for like etiquette or what's appropriate or respectability politics, just Host ship with a little like gangster twist. And they make fun songs to twerk to. Megan the Stallion is about sexual empowerment, appreciating yourself, being like, look, I'm a woman. I have whatever body this is, whatever package I arrived in, I'm going to revel in it. I'm going to love it. Men are going to give me orgasms and I'm going to feel good for all these different reasons and I'm going to feel good about myself. And it's girls at the concert, like we're doing this with each other. And also I do think there's a certain... Once you get older, you get more buttoned up. You want to have that like ratchet fun. You want to have your like alter ego. Whereas when I contrast with that with Nicki Minaj, I don't think Nicki Minaj actually enjoys sex. How comfortable is sex if you have like an inflatable butt to get in the way? Nothing about her seems real and nothing about her seems... Like authentic, she doesn't seem like she she gets in fights with other women. She doesn't seem like she's someone who have a big crew of girlfriends to hang out with. Megan the Stallion seems like your girls. The city girls are girls. They're like mischief making, like you know Bonnie and Clyde running. Well, those are two. Let me say Thelma and Louise. Those Bonnie and Clyde were a man and a woman. So I think I think that that is part of that, and it. And it leans into like Jermaine Dupri's comments that Cardi B had to respond to, where he was complaining that females nowadays just rap about their pussy. I'm sorry. Take that to Sunday school. I don't want to hear it. I'm so sick of hypocritical statements. Are you are you actually suggesting that men, conversely, rap about something deep, uh, as a as a general like core message? It's usually no. The like woke rappers are like fringe and they get dragged for being corny like j cole has this huge following but he's also just dragged for being corny or when i was a corny teenager growing up we liked most stuff and tom quelly and like Common and those you know alternative like deep i don't want to write these words but we like that kind of thing and that was there were those rappers and there was everyone else so for him to come out his mouth and say the female rappers aren't talking about anything I will keep saying this until the end of time. why And before I even knew who Megan the stallion was, I saw her spitting bars, or no, might not even no it, I think it was her. Someone was spitting bars and they were just fly wearing like a lime green wig. again, looking like a highlighter, which is another trend that men are getting irritated with. but shut up, you're gonna take this neon and you're gonna fucking like it. okay? You're gonna take all the neon I give you. And I saw them uh, complaining about, oh women don't rap about this. Did it, that's vulgar did? It? And I was just like, sir. This is not take your daughter to work day. She's a rapper. She can talk about whatever crass stuff she wants to. You just don't like it when a woman when a woman says it. I am so confused as to why it's supposed to be different for her to talk about her pussy this, pussy that, however graphically you want. And some of the shit is crazy. Some of it I'm like, I'm not your gynecologist. I don't need to hear it. I personally, by the way, I'm not saying I like all of these details and minutia about pussy. I, I'm just saying, how is that her talking about how many guys that she fucks different from... Oh, that's what I said. I was like, "So you're, you're 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 you can listen to the fucker, but you can't listen to the fucky." The counterpoint, f- the flip side of all the the women that you've been rapping about, calling them bitches. The bitches that you've been rapping about are now talking back, and you have a problem with it. And that's what Jermaine Dupri said. He said, "It's like rappers are just strippers." Yeah, some of them are actually strippers. Cardi B was an actual stripper. It's great. Secondly, you guys, like, love strippers. I feel like if they were, like, a card game or, like, tarot cards or or playing cards for rap, like, like it would be, like, the ma- the mother would be, like, the stripper. It should be, like, the queen, like, the Virgin Mary. Like, I feel like strippers would be, like, on a votive, on, on, like, a religious candle. Like, that's... Strippers are so high in the lexicon of rap. Like, that is what y'all do. Paid entertainment is just next to the most important thing, bands, making dance, like that your y'all's thing. You're telling me you have a problem when those women that you've been talking about say something back? I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I don't. And what I mean is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexism, sexism, sexism. We'll always know that something is sexist. We'll always know that something is racist. But I think on the show, what we keep coming back to with me, I just have a hard time figuring out how people say something out of their mouth that is like blatantly like you could have just taken a moment and reflected on the utter hypocrisy before it came out of your mouth so do you really lack awareness to see that it's just a different gender than you talking about the same shit like you really I feel more comfortable if you were just be like "No, nah, when a woman does it, it is different No, nah, y'all aren't supposed to say it. just say that then but for you to just be like it's like they're like they just keep talking about their sexy parts and it, it's ew like That sounds nuts. That sounds crazy to me because you literally do the same thing. All right. Well, those are my deep thoughts for the day. I got to go, you guys. I have to take a nap. I'm sorry for all the sound changes. Now I'm up with my three fans in my bedroom. So it's just going to be what it's going to be while I get this figured out. But stay tuned for more information. I'm thinking about moving to a different launch day, as I said. So we will figure that out figure out what is the best time to get you content. Do you want to listen to it? Do you want to have it on Monday so that you can listen to it throughout the week and like when you get to it? Do you want to have it on Friday so it's like your Saturday morning jog? Saturday morning on your way to Orange Theory listen. Like what what is the time? And or do you even care about release times? Cuz I have heard people say that it's kind of like streaming. It's there, and you're just gonna binge it and listen when you want to. But I mean, when you catch up, it's not like streaming; it is like you are waiting for that release. So I I hope to get some comments from you, from some feedback. Do a little bit of crowdsourcing on that, and I'm gonna keep bringing you summertime content. It's gonna be there. Just don't get stressed out. It's going to happen. But we're like I said, we're having a hot girl summer. And we are adjusting some things. So thank you for being my loyal listeners for 33 episodes so far. Sending love all around the world to the different people clicking on. And I will get back to you next week. Chicken Kombucha is hosted and produced by actress, singer, writer, Kelechi ACA. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you're interested to hear more of her work, scout or hit up Spotify.